All right, we're in a new series starting today. How about Pastor D? Amen. Yeah. Good words, man. When he speaks, I need to remember to, to just get a pen ready because it seems like seems like the Holy Spirit just starts downloading stuff in me. And I don't know if you feel the same way or not, but but man, it was just like, okay, I got to start bringing a pen when he preaches because I got to start writing some of the stuff down. So some really good words. If you missed any of them and want to catch up, they're on our website, they're on our podcast, and you can follow them back on Facebook if you want to watch them when they were live. So today, I want to give you one vision for your entire life in one word. How about that? One one vision that can incorporate all of your life, and I believe I can give it to you in just one word. And I want to tell you where this message came from. It came from me and looking at my own life, looking at other people around me, looking at the, the world that we live in. And so many times I run into people who seem to have no meaning and purpose for their life. Now, I don't know if that's you. I hope that you're becoming a part of this. If you're just joining us and you came in, I want to tell you that there is meaning and purpose for your life. But when I look at the world, oh my goodness, such an absence of it, that that folks just seem to to lack direction and, and calling in their life. And some people just barely survive it. And it's like that's the only goal in life. It's just to get up every day, go to work, make a little money, survive. And, and my question is, then what? Then, then die? Is that what God wanted? Get up every day, make a meager living, and then die? I don't think that's what God had, had in store. And then there's this thing of being disjointed. Have you ever felt like your life, different parts of your life didn't fit the other parts of your life? Like, sometimes your career didn't fit your family. And it was like, if I, if I pursue one, I'm hurting the other. And, I, and they seem to be disjointed. And sometimes they even contradict. It's like, well, if I spend more time here, then I, I don't spend time here. And I don't know what to do. My life's all out of sorts. So that's why I think we need a, a vision that can incorporate it all. It can incorporate it into to just a word. And, and I don't know about some of you, but how do you balance everything? You ever seen those shows where they've got these sticks up and they got these plates and they'll start spinning the plates? Have you seen that? Yeah. I, I used to feel like that. I was like, I think I can do that. I'm like, I've never tried it, but I think I can do that because that's how my life used to feel. Is that you spin this plate, you know, you're spinning job. But then you look over here and your kids are, are about to fall. And so you run over here and you spin that plate. And then you feel, oh, Lord, I ain't been to church in six weeks. And then you run over here and you, you spin that plate. And, uh, oh, no, that's back to the, the children again. And, and it just feels like you can't keep everything in, in balance. And so for me, I have honestly been searching for a way to bring all of that in somehow. Because I believe all of our lives are supposed to fit together. And I can do it in a word. You want to know what the word is? I'm not going to tell you just yet. I'll tell you what the word is not. The word is not Jesus. Now, some of y'all didn't grow up in church, but, but I did. And if you grew up in church, you knew you will know what I'm talking about. If you didn't know the answer, if you just told the, the teacher Jesus, 
it was hard for them to tell you that you were wrong. <laughs> Even if you were. You're like, I don't know, Jesus. And they're like, yes, but. And so the, I'm, the, the answer is not Jesus. We're not going to give you that Sunday school answer. And yet, Jesus spoke of this word 61 times in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 61 times. That's a lot of talking about this one word. 85 times if you count the overlap in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John the Baptist says that when Jesus comes, he's going to prepare this one word. When Jesus comes on the scene, he starts preaching about this. He talks about it in the Beatitudes. He talks about it in his parables. He talks about it in his teaching. He talks about it at the Last Supper. I've held you off long enough. I'm ready to give you the word. You want to know what the word is? One word that is one vision for your entire life. The word is kingdom. Kingdom. Say that with me. Everybody say kingdom. kingdom. Oh, that was good. Usually y'all start off a little bit weak. Y'all good. Y'all on it today. Let's do it one more time. Let's do it a little bit louder. Kingdom. kingdom. Yes, one word, kingdom, can become an, a vision for your entire life now let's look at some scripture and let's put this thing into the word here in matthew 6 10 jesus is given us a way in which we can pray and he says this in matthew 6 10 he says pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven now that's important because he says pray that your kingdom will come it's connected to this thing of the will of God being done. So if you want the kingdom to come, then the will has to be done. You cannot have the kingdom of God where people are moving against the will of God. That's important. Somebody say that was important. That was important. Okay. So the, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now look at this. Here on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying... Let's make earth, I've come to make earth like heaven. And then over just in the same chapter, Matthew 6, verse 33. He's talking about the worries of life and how we worry for things. And, and he says this, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Yeah. Now, see, we've messed up this word righteous, so let's see if we can clean it up for just a little bit. Righteous means this, being rightly related to God. You can't have righteousness if you don't start there. You'll never even touch righteousness unless you begin with being rightly related with God. And then when you are rightly related with God, God begins to set everything right in your life. That's a bargain, isn't it? That's a bargain if you didn't realize it. That if you will turn your heart toward God, God will begin to set things right in your heart and in your world. Mm. Philippians 3.20, you got to flip over just a little bit. It says this, our citizenship is in the United States of America. Oh, that wasn't what it said. It said our citizenship is in heaven. Did you know that if you're a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, you gain citizenship to heaven? That's your home. Now, I got to tell you, I love 
the country that I am born in, the United States of America, I think it is a great country. It certainly has its flaws, and it is a, an idea that is having to constantly be built and, and, and brought to, you know, to, to what it was meant to be. But if I ever have to choose between being an American, I hope this doesn't offend some of y'all, but if I ever have to choose between being an American and being a Christian, I will follow Christ. That is my decision. Because, you see, I'm reading this book that somebody gave me. Big old thick book. Oh, my goodness. It's really large. It's intimidating. It's on a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who lived during the time of Nazi Germany. And what they tried to do is combine the church and the state together and say that if the church was going to survive, it had to attach itself to Nazi Germany and follow Hitler. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, I'll have no part of that. He said, I'll have no part of the Nazis because they are not biblical and I will be a Christian even if it kills me. And it did. And I will tell you that we have to again be those people who say, yes, we may be Americans, but our citizenship first is in heaven. And then in Colossians 1, 13, he says this, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness. Do you hear that domain? That's a kingdom. It says that we were once in a kingdom a kingdom of darkness a kingdom of the the enemy the devil our adversary oh but and he transferred us though Amen. into the kingdom of his beloved son do you hear that you were once a part of a kingdom of darkness but he transferred you into the the kingdom of his beloved son now i need to make a point right here salvation is your entrance into the kingdom. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. I mean, you can't get into this kingdom of God unless you become a child of God. You, you can't understand the kingdom. In fact, Nicodemus, he wanted to know about salvation, and God said to enter into the, the kingdom, you have to be born again. The point I want to make to you is this, though. Salvation is just the beginning. Can I say that? Salvation is just the beginning. That got you your citizenship into heaven. But do you know why Jesus came? Not just to get you into heaven, but to get heaven into you. Yeah, that, that might be better than you even realize right now. Okay? Because I know for a long time, people thought that the end game was if I could just get into heaven. In fact, there's some people, they white-knuckling it. You know what that means? Huh? I use that. You know, you white knuckle. Oh, Lord, I hope I make it. I hope I make it. If I just hold on, I believe I can make it. And they're white-knuckling it as though the end game in life is just to get to heaven. It is though they went to the insurance company and said, can I buy some insurance against hell? Do you know that Jesus came for more than to get you out of hell and to get you into heaven? He actually came to get the heaven inside of you. The kingdom. He came to bring the kingdom and to bring it inside of you. And so the gospel of salvation is just part of the kingdom. Now that's good news. Because if you thought that salvation was the end, <laughs> I just opened up a whole new world to you. A whole new kingdom experience that is yours. That you can relax, let off, let your knuckles turn back to their color again. And realize that God has more for you. So what is it then? What is this 
kingdom. How did Jesus define it? Well, in typical Jesus fashion, he doesn't. He talks about it 61 times and he never defines the term. I've searched through scripture. I took my Bible. I got a red pen out and I started circling kingdom everywhere I could find it. And I'm trying to find where does Jesus define kingdom? What is the kingdom of heaven? And he doesn't. But he does describe it. Over and over again, he says, the kingdom of God is like this. And then he'll give a story or a parable. He says, it's like this. And then he'll tell his disciples, he said, we need to go in and preach the, the gospel. But he doesn't stop there. He says, we need to also go and demonstrate the gospel. And so when the, the kingdom was preached, the sick were healed. The oppressed were set free. The, the hungry were, were fed. And so he doesn't define it, but he describes it and he demonstrates it. And I want to warn us as a church that we cannot be a people who simply proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ without demonstrating the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes? Yes? Because you will end up where we are today, where there is a culture of people around us who have heard us preach but haven't seen us do anything. And so they have listened to our gospel and say, that doesn't change anything. Why do I need that? It doesn't do anything. Can I tell you that the kingdom of God comes in power? And when you get into the kingdom and start operating in the kingdom, it is about the proclamation, but also the demonstration of the word of God. So what is this kingdom? The reason Jesus didn't have to define it to the people of his day is because they already knew what a kingdom looked like. It was all around them. You see, the Romans were a kingdom. And that kingdom had taken over Israel and was occupying the land. So when you have a kingdom, what do you think of? The first thing you got to have is like a what? A king, a, a domain, yeah, a Caesar. Well, Rome had a, a king, a Caesar. Someone who was over this kingdom. And Rome had come and taken over. And here's what I love. Jesus took a secular word and he hijacked it. That's what I love. This thing, kingdom, this word, apostle. You ever heard that? Apostles? The first disciples that carried out the work of Jesus. The apostles. D, I'm going to give them a Greek word. Is that okay? Apostolos. Apostolos. It's the word we get the word apostle from. You see, the people knew what kingdom meant because they had this word in Greek called apostolos, which was when the, the Greeks started, when they would go out and, and they would take territory, unlike other countries, they would make those territories like their own. Now, the people before them, they would go and destroy an enemy. They would bring the people back and make them slaves. But the Greeks started sending out an apostolos, a ship full of people with an admiral. And their assignment was this, go into the areas that are not like Greece and make them like Greece. Oh, does anybody know where I'm going? Hmm? Anybody know where I'm going? Now then the Romans come and they take over Israel. And what do the Romans do? Everywhere the Romans conquer, you start dressing like the Romans, speaking Latin, worshiping their gods. 
you start moving in their sciences and all of those things. You become like a Roman. Thus the term, when in Rome, do what? Do what the Romans do. So Jesus didn't have to define the word. He knew, they already knew. In fact, Israel was praying for a king, waiting for a Messiah, saying if we can just get our king, he'll overtake their king, and he'll set up our kingdom, and Israel will be in charge. But then what about us? Let's bring this forward to us. We're jaded by the word kingdom. We're cynical of it. We're cynical of authority. We don't like kings. We don't like presidents. We don't like bosses. We don't like supervisors. We don't like mom and dads. We don't like anybody telling us what to do. Right? Yeah, I could have got a whole room full of amens. Yeah. We live in a culture that says, if there's some authority, let's see if we can buck it. Right? Rebels by nature. So when somebody starts coming and preaching a message about the kingdom of God, they're a little bit jaded. They're like, we don't want a kingdom. We don't want anybody to rule us. In fact, you will hear people when you start talking about Jesus, if they don't know anything about this kingdom, they'll say, I don't want this Jesus coming telling me how to live my life. I, no, I, I can't get saved because if, if I get saved, i got to give up drinking. Uh, they start thinking about what they got to give up and, and what they're going to lose. And they're like, no, I don't want any part of this kingdom because if I, if I live under this kingdom, that's going to be hard. This, this Christian thing looks hard. Honey, life's hard. I don't care what kingdom you live in. Life is hard. I'm trying to teach you about a kingdom that's better. I'm not foolish enough to tell you that it's, that it's easy. It's not. It's simple, but it's not easy. But nothing's easy. Life's hard. But the only thing that works, the only thing that is right, is the kingdom of God. So Jesus comes on the scene and he looks at Israel and he says, your mindset of a kingdom is wrong. He looks at Rome and he says, your idea of kingdom, close. Now let me hijack the word and tell you what kingdom means from my perspective. Jesus speaking as the son of God. He says, when I come, I come to set people free. He said, in my kingdom, I don't come in order to put people into bondage, to take them back to a home country as slaves. I come to set you free. I come so that where there is sickness, I bring healing. Where there is oppression, I bring freedom. Where there are people who are hungry, I feed them. Where there are people who are lost, I will go to the cross in order that they might like look to me, that I might find salvation. Now, you know I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Jesus. You see, Jesus sets up a kingdom that is contrary to every other kingdom of its day. It is a kingdom built on absolute freedom. So that person, that one that you will run into that says, Oh, Lord, if I follow Jesus, I'm just going to have to give up everything. Only the stuff that was meant to destroy you. Only the stuff that was meant to hold you back. Only the stuff that was meant to make you 
a slave. You see, he came to set you free from those. Mm. This revelation I had, I preached a lot of funerals before I got this revelation. I'm going to give it to you now. It is this. I used to think that death was defeat. And I think that a lot of people thought it was defeat too because I hear people talk about they lost the battle with cancer. You hear, you hear that a lot, right? And so you, death, it looks like defeat. But can I tell you about the kingdom of God? You see, in the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ gave himself on a cross. He died so that you might have life. So that now when you die, you get eternal life. And now, if there's something on this side that you haven't been able to get rid of, an addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography addiction, whatever it will be, guess what? At the door of death, Jesus stands as the gatekeeper and He says, you can come in. <laughs> oh, but addiction, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. At the gate, he stands and he says, I am the way in. Jesus, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He says, Baron, you can come in, but cancer can't come in. Diabetes can't come in. Heart disease can't come in. Jesus took the stuff that was meant to kill you and used death to kill it. So now, does that mean then we just let heart disease and diabetes and cancer and all that stuff just rule rampant on the earth then? And we say, well, God will clean it up when we die. He'll, he'll get it when we die. No. Because you know what I've told you over and over again. What you tolerate will dominate. If you tolerate it, it will dominate your life. And we are supposed to be those that say, oh no, here on earth as it is in heaven. Look up there and see if you see any diabetes. Look up there if you see any cancer. Look up there if you see any addiction. And you say, but, 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 what, but we, what if we don't see somebody get healed? <laughs> that is where that miraculous death of Jesus takes death and turns it into life. <laughs> if you were just listening, I just told you, you can't lose. You can't lose. In this kingdom, you can't lose because whatever you can't get settled, he'll settle it for you. My goodness, what a kingdom. So in terms of this kingdom, God is not capturing people. Mm, he captures your heart. Is there anybody in the room that Jesus has captured your heart? Mm -hmm. You see, I'm not here because I have to be. I, I'm not here because I get, I get paid. And I do. You guys are very good to me. But when we started Ember, I didn't know if I was going to get paid or not, did I? We are like, we don't know if you'll get paid or not. But you know what I said? I'll do it whether I get paid or not. And I still will. You know why? Because I'm not here because I have to be. I'm here because I want to be. I, I am doing what I do because Jesus has captured my heart. I think Paul says something like that, right? I'm, I'm compelled I'm compelled by Jesus, by what he's done for me. If you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. You can. You can know what it's like to have your heart captured by God. It begins with Jesus Christ. He is the one who gave his life for you. 
who said, I have come to make all things whole. And as you begin to see that work in your life, you can't help but fall in love with Him. If you ever see the one true Jesus Christ, I'll tell you, you can't help but fall in love with Him. If you're not in love with Him now, it's because you ain't seen Him straight. I'll just tell you, it's because you hadn't seen Him straight. Once you see Him, you will fall in love with Him. And so His kingdom is this. It is righteousness, peace, and joy. It is setting things right. It is peace. It is joy. That's why this thing called the gospel of the kingdom is also called the good news. The good news. That's why I tell people when they join Ember, I say, do I believe there is a hell? Yes. Do I believe that people are going there? Yes, the Bible says that. But I got to tell you what, the good news is not the story of hell. It's the story of Jesus in the kingdom of God that says you don't have to go there. You don't have to. You can have a citizenship in, in heaven. So why in the world do I want to speak about lesser things? So I will speak of the gospel. And I will speak of the kingdom. Because it is the kingdom where there is righteousness, peace, and joy. So then how do I take this thing, the kingdom, that is setting all things right, and apply it to my life? Well, here's how you do it. First, you start applying it to yourself. And you begin to see the kingdom come in yourself. That's a novel idea, isn't it? But it's amazing how many people want to see the kingdom of God come in everybody else's life. I just started meddling a little bit there. It's amazing how many people want to clean up everybody around them and still act in utter foolishness in their own life. I somehow got to be friends with somebody who I got a bunch of friends, I think. I don't have as many as D. He needs to be a public figure. I'm not nearly that much because I can't even remember to click yes to, you know, and all, anyway. But I, f I follow this person who will remain anonymous. And this person is forever telling everybody else how to mind their business. Is forever telling people how to run their lives. Forever telling every, I mean, businesses, governments, churches, family members, how they ought to do stuff. And then I look at their life and that thing is a train wreck. A train wreck. And I am sitting there honestly debating this thing going, God, what is my responsibility here? Because I'm telling you, y'all, the kingdom doesn't work outside of you first. That like everybody's going to get their act together and then everything's going to be cool with you. We all adult enough to know that's not how it works, right? The way it works is you get the kingdom inside of you. And then you begin to, to be light. The kingdom is light. Then you become light to those around you. And it begins to change things around you. So the kingdom first starts with yourself. Say, me. me. It starts with me. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much you talk. You're only going to give away what you can walk. Regardless of what you know about Scripture. That's why it's so important. That's why Jesus says, don't, don't want to be a teacher too fast. Yeah? So when I'm standing up here today, you know what I had to do all week long? I had to get work with me. 
You want to know what happens all week long? It takes about six days to get me right before I can ever tell you anything. Because the danger is if I don't get me right, I'll stand up here and talk, and you won't become what I say, you'll become what I do. Now, that's no joke, and that's more powerful than you think. But if I stand up here and I tell you to love people, but then you see me out on the street and I'm acting like a fool, then it gives you permission to act like one too. Well, because I saw him do it. Well, I saw my daddy do it. Oh, y'all didn't know I was going to throw that one in on you, did you? I slipped that one in. Well, I, I saw my mama talk like that. I saw her act like that. So it starts with us. And Jesus says, I want to set you free. Do you realize that? Jesus said, I, I want to set you free. I want to set you free from everything. And I don't care how long you've worked to be free. There's some stuff I've been working on. I'm 44 years old. Last week I told you I was 43 and everybody reminded me I'm 44. Okay, I'm 44. There's stuff I've been working on my entire life. But I tell you what, you cannot give up because you have to see the kingdom come in your life. And it's freedom. And then once you get that freedom in your life, then you begin to work in your family's life so that our families become these places of, of love, these places of selflessness. I didn't say selfishness. Did you hear me? Selflessness. I've told you before, if you've got a husband and a wife who are dying to serve each other, you'll have a relationship that'll make it. That relationship will stand the test of time. You get two people who want their way, that ain't enough marriage counseling for you <laughs> until you decide to change. Love and selflessness and, and honor. All oh, the kingdom's about honor. We're going to talk about culture before this series is over. And let me just say this real quick. The Birics just went over to Scotland. If my geography's right, that's part of the United Kingdom, right? That's a kingdom. And over there, you drive, we talked about it this morning, you drive on the left-hand side of the road, you eat with a fork and a knife, and you drink hot tea. Now, if you're a part of this country, or let's say this kingdom, you drive on the right side of the road, you eat with just a fork, unless you have steak, and you drink hot coffee and cold tea with ice. You see, different kingdoms have different cultures. Different kingdoms have different cultures. There's a, there's a culture to darkness. It's lying and dishonor, selfishness and backbiting and all those things. Go on live in that kingdom if you want to. <laughs> you will get destroyed there. That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's what it means. You just live under that system long enough. It'll produce dying in you. But you move over into the kingdom of light. The kingdom of God. <laughs> I bet Chris and, and Pat, the first time they were there in Scotland, they were thinking, okay, drive on the left-hand side of the road. Drive on the left-hand side of the road. Don't get on the right-hand side of the road. <laughs> drive on the left. When you enter into a new kingdom... It takes a little time before it becomes natural. But what I'm telling you is if you stick with it, the kingdom of God will become the natural culture of not only your life, but your family's life. Isn't that, that's a hallelujah, isn't it? 
That's a praise God that your family can have the culture of heaven in it, the fruit of the Spirit. And then you move out from that, and we'll talk about that a little bit in the, in the future. But you move out into society, and you begin to, to go to work, and you take the kingdom with you. And then our kids, our young people, our teenagers who are back there now with Jeff, when they go into the school system, do you know what they do? They take the kingdom with them. You know why? Because the kingdom is the culture that they were raised in. See, that's the goal of every family that is here. You might not have known it. See, I told you one goal for everything. If you have a kingdom goal for your family, then when your kids go off to college, they will carry the culture of heaven with them. And even if they get distracted, I believe the culture of heaven will one day win again. I just believe it is that strong that even if they depart, they'll return because the culture is strong. Not as a, as a promise, but as a rule, I believe. Yes. So wherever you go, you take the culture. You take the culture into government. You take the culture into business. You take the, the culture into uh, social media. You take it into arts and entertainment. You take it everywhere you go. Why? Because we're the apostolos. We're that group that God said, go out and make the stuff that doesn't look like heaven, make it look like heaven. Make it, make it look just like heaven, the culture just like heaven. Rem just imagine for a moment if your personal life is looking more and more like heaven every day. And your family is looking more and more like heaven every day. And the place you spend the majority of your life, whatever that is, work or whatever it is, if it's starting to look more and more like heaven every day, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is here in heaven. Now, one important thing before we go. Most people come into church and they really do want the kingdom. That's what they want. They don't know it. That's what they want. I'll say this real quick. People have come into my office, business people and all, and they'll ask me, they'll say, Kevin, well, what is your vision for the church? And what they were telling me was, well, how many people do you want? And, you know, what size buildings and those kind of things do you want? They would ask me about East Chester. Well, you know, what do you want to see in, in East Chester? I honestly didn't have a good answer for them. And, and nothing sounded right because I didn't want to tell them 1,000 or 1,500. Where did I get that number from? I don't know. You want me to just pull a number out of the air? I don't know. Is God supposed to give me a number? And for a long time, I'd say, God, I don't think I'm doing this right. I am apparently not the one for the job because people keep wanting me to give them a vision and, and I don't have a vision for what I think they want. I can't give them what they want. But I was looking over this message and I was staring, I've got a map of East Chester in my office, and I was staring at that map, and I went, ha ha, I got it. The vision is the kingdom. You ask me, what is my vision for Ember? It is that the kingdom of God be established here. That this place looks as much like heaven as any place you can find until you really go there. <laughs> yeah. What is my vision for East Chester? That when you walk through those streets, you say, this place looks more and more like heaven every month. Like, 
every time I walk through here, it looks more and more like heaven. What is my vision for East Chester? That the kingdom would come. Now, see, I don't have to be ashamed of that or embarrassed by that. And people say, well, what's your vision? I say, it's the kingdom. Why? Because that doesn't require anyone to be taken by force. It simply says, for anyone who is in that neighborhood, should you want to follow the king, I know how to help you. And then you take that model for East Chester, and I believe you can move that wherever you want. All over Chester, it becomes a model for Chester. So that now, what was the kingdom in me, and the kingdom in my family, and the kingdom in East Chester, the kingdom in Ember, has become the kingdom of Chester, who is possibly the kingdom of South Carolina, which could be the kingdom of the United States, which then could be the kingdom of the world. Yeah. You say, but I thought it was getting worse. Well, yeah, it is getting worse for the people who are in the kingdom of darkness. But that is not the story for those who have entered the kingdom of light. So how does this thing come? I've had people come into church and they wanted the kingdom. You can't look at that. You can't see it yet. They have wanted the kingdom and they would sit for three weeks. But they couldn't find the kingdom the way they wanted it, and so they'd leave. Or they'd sit for a month or three months, but they couldn't find the kingdom the way that they, they wanted it. And, and they would leave. And, and, and so I, I've often asked myself, why is it that people leave sometimes? And this is not everyone's reason for leaving. But you have to understand the way that the kingdom comes. The kingdom doesn't come full-blown in your life as soon as you step into church. And sitting on a church seat or pew is not the kingdom. Are we clear about that? Can, can everybody just raise your hand and say, I'm good, I got that. Sitting on a church seat is not the kingdom. That's a church seat. Okay, that's, that's just a seat. That is not the kingdom. But there are people who think, okay, I got to get my life right. You know what they'll say? I got to get my life right. I got to get back to church. I'm like, well, church is good. It's part of the kingdom. But you know what you need more than you need to just go sit in a seat in, the, in a church? Because you can sit there and rot, honestly. <laughs> what you need is the kingdom. But when the kingdom comes, it comes not full-blown. It comes as a mustard seed. So let me make sure your expectations are right before you leave. Mark 4, verse 30 says this, And he said, How shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds. Lord, I can't even pick one up. Can anybody see that? Can, you're on the front row. Can you see it? Can, can y'all see it? Hmm. It is like a mustard seed which is sown upon the soil. And though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up. And it becomes larger than all the garden plants. And it forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under it. When you come into the kingdom, God doesn't build, give you the full-blown kingdom in yourself in your marriage, in the church, 
in East Chester, in your business, or in this community, or this world. You know what he does? He comes and gives you a, a seat. Now watch out, because, yeah. <laughs> Mackenzie, he gives you a seat. He comes and gives you a seat. Can y'all see that seat right there? So many people get discouraged because they want the kingdom, but they want it full-blown. And the kingdom is now. Let's be clear about that. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's on hand, it's in stock, it's available, it's in you. But it's in seed form. And that seed's got to take root in your heart. And it has to grow. And as it grows, I have no idea what to do with this seed here. Can I give this to you? Okay. And when that seed begins to grow, it'll take over your life. Does anybody want that? Yes. Huh? Yes. Does anybody want that? Yes. Let me ask you this. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> then are you willing to receive it as a seed? Then stand up and let me pray over you. We didn't take up the offering? Oh, okay. We didn't take up the offering, y'all. Give that to the guys with the orange baskets when they leave. Okay, they'll be at the doors or you can put them in the black boxes. Um Here's what I want to do. And then, Amy, can you come up and just play some music on the, on the keys for us? Because I want to pray this over you. But then I also want to save time at the end of the service. Everybody can go that needs to go. But anybody who says, I, there's an area of my life I just need the kingdom. I, I need the kingdom in my relationship with my husband or my wife. Or I need the kingdom to come when it, when it relates to my kids. Or I need the kingdom in my business. Whatever it may be. I want you to come down. We're going to pray and we're going to minister to you. After everybody's gone. Now let me pray over you. <laughs> Father, right now I believe that we are seeing those who are hungry and thirsty for you. You said blessed are the, the poor in spirit. Those who knew they couldn't do it on their own. They were on. They needed something. You said for such is the kingdom. God, I thank you for those that are in the room that are smart enough to know that they need the kingdom in every area of and Lord, I pray now that you would stir those that would say, yeah, I, I know a place where I need the kingdom. That you just begin to move out. You come down here. In fact, I'm going to leave this seed out and I'm going to leave it open. And you can come down here and you can receive this seed to realize that when the kingdom comes, it comes in a seed form. But you watch what God will do when you surrender to His will, how that thing will overtake every garden in your life. Mm, Father, let the kingdom come. Let Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us seek first the kingdom of God and Your righteousness and then You'll add everything else around to it. Forgive us, God, for seeking all the other stuff when we should have been seeking the main thing that would have satisfied our soul. I pray today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot enter into the kingdom until you have joined in a relationship with the King. So I invite you to salvation. 
I invite you to come down here and let us help you enter into a relationship with the one who gave his life for you. And then my prayer over this church is that we would be the place that when people walk in, they might not even know how to categorize it. Might not know what to say about it. But Father, what they would be experiencing is the culture of heaven. That people would experience love and forgiveness and honor and peace and joy. Oh God, give us the the kingdom. God, You have already given it. Let us see it birthed in our lives. Father, we stand as those who say now we have but one vision. Is there there anybody that would say I'm I'm with Him? One vision is good enough for my entire life. One vision. The kingdom in me, the kingdom in my family, the kingdom in my work, the kingdom in my ministry, the kingdom in my community, my neighborhood, on my street, the kingdom of God. That's a vision, a singular vision. It's good enough for me. I'll point everything toward that. Lord, let the Word ring out in these folks that I love and that You love so much. Kingdom. Kingdom. Holy Spirit, speak it into our lives. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the the Kingdom through the Holy Spirit. Kingdom, God. Kingdom. Your Kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen.